0: Me and raise this dead man's eye, and it's all because of Jesus. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive.
1: I'm alive. I'm alive. Amen. Amen. I hope that's true for you today. I hope that you would be able to say with Pastor Kelly and this worship team that it's all because of Jesus that you're alive. And we are so happy to be able to proclaim that as a church, unashamedly, uh, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is what is our affection um, as a church here. And so we welcome you. Thank you for coming to Sunset Hills. My name is Eric, one of the pastors. If you're new with us or you've been newer to us, yes, if you have been, Please come and visit us out at the kiosk. We'll have somebody there at the end of the service. We want to give you a gift package just to say thank you for coming. Um, Maybe give you some information about us. If you want to know more about who we are, text that uh, hi to that number and uh, we'll respond to you so we can just let you know about our ministries. Uh, ways that we can pray for you serve you and and just to seek that information from you so we're grateful in that one of the things hopefully you got from one of our great greeters first impression people was just a little information bulletin and then also just this marvel Jesus is alive this is our theme now for this month as we look ahead into the Easter season so we're grateful for that well while you're still standing would you do me a favor would you just turn around and say hello to a few people welcome to Sunset Hills
0: Hi!
2: This morning and ourselves, we have not been drawn to you, God. You, you make that promise that, Lord, if we'll take that step of faith and we'll draw ourselves to you, that, God, you'll draw yourselves to us. Lord, we just ask you to do that this morning. Draw close to us, Lord. Abide with us. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray this morning. Amen. You may be seated today.
3: morning, church. I hope you do better than that during the rest of my sermon. I'm just wondering if there's anybody who is like me that you are not a big fan of surprises. Anybody at all that you'd be willing to admit that? You'd raise your hand and say, I don't like surprises. Nobody? Y'all like surprises? There's one or two of us. There's a few of us. So, what if I just said, I'm done for the day, I'm going to surprise you, let's go home. What that (laughs) sounds like? (laughs) Just because you asked me. I have never been a big fan of surprises. I have been known to spoil some surprises from time to time to time of my own, as well as surprises for other people, not intentionally, but I, I think it's maybe the person of kind of my background, career choices in times past of being head of a school. As a head of a school, Marlon, you can, uh, you can identify with this. As a as a school administrator, we don't like surprises, right? I mean, it's like, you no, know, don't, if, if there's a situation that's been going on in a classroom I would and I get a call from a uh, parent in years past I would say go to that teacher and I say we need to talk about this and I would always tell that teacher look tell me everything no matter how bad or how good it is so that during that parent conference I'm not surprised right I like to be in the know I, I like to know what's going on and it Seems like, and maybe, maybe I'll get a better response out of this, how many of you like to be in the know? Yeah, more hands there. So at least maybe I'm on the right track this morning. I was wondering about it earlier, but we'll see. We like to be in the know, and it seems that if we are not in the know, that we feel slighted, disconnected. Maybe as if we are right to know has been violated. I can understand why we're at this point, really. I mean, we live in a time when there's this expectation of transparency. I mean, everywhere we turn, there's like you need to be transparent with that. We expect government to be transparent. We expect I mean, they never are, but we expect that, right? And it's like we we all the the trust in in maybe it's more so than I've ever noticed in, in institutions trust in government even in churches it seems like trust is at an all-time low so I get it and to that uh, add to that how instant material is available to us is incredible Uh, my son Brett was demonstrating chat GP is that it GPT to me and, and he just he was demonstrating yesterday he was telling it like write a letter to the transition team of our church tell them how much I appreciate their hard work and da 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 and I mean all of a sudden within just seconds there's this incredible letter that that uh he reads to me that's been devised it's an incredible as to how that happens. Sound a little bit disingenuous, maybe, but it was like incredible how instant that was. I mean, we have immediate access to so much information through an old-fashioned keyboard, I guess, in today's time, or maybe through a finger tapping or a voice recognition. This week, I was wondering about what have been the greatest inventions or innovations of all time? And I, so I asked their staff in staff meeting, and they came up with several different ideas and not quite as satisfied with their answers. I did just what we've been accustomed to do when we want to go get information. I went and consulted the encyclopedias. Mm-mm, no. It's taken you all a little while to get that. I mean, really, how long has it been since anyone used an encyclopedia, right? That's what we used to do. Uh, I mean, really, I, let me just kind of check. Does anyone still have a set of encyclopedias around your house? Let me see your hands. How much dust is on top of them? <laughs> right? mom and dad bought a set of encyclopedias when we were little kids and it was the Collier's Encyclopedia and they really looked good, you know? And and I think there was this 10-volume set of stories, these books that came with you. Y'all may know what those are. We kept the bookcase that came with encyclopedias and have long since thrown the encyclopedias away, you know? Because you got a free bookcase with it. It's still around. I mean, kids today, I mean, I, I'm just wondering, how many kids have really even seen an encyclopedia? Know what it is. Know what I did? I Googled the answer, the question. What have been the most innovative or greatest inventions of all time? And here's what came back, 20 Thoughts or things that people said, in this particular case, from live science. Number one was the wheel. That makes sense, yeah, I think so. The printing press, penicillin. The compass they added. Light bulb, I think maybe electricity might fit that. The telephone, internal combustion engine. Contraceptives, they said, internet, nails use of fire, concrete, magnifying glass, batteries, marine chronometer, Uh, airplane, refrigerator, nuclear engine, vaccines, and x-rays. I don't know if it's in any particular order of importance, but I think those would all qualify for that. Of course, if you keep scrolling, guess what's going to happen? You're going to find more and more uh, differences, opinions, of what would be the greatest innovations of all time. It's been really fascinating to me and incredible just how useful and life-changing those that I just listed are and how they have not that they have changed the way that we do life and arguably has improved it, okay? I, I can't help but wonder what would be on the list of, of those things, those innovations, those ideas that have been most destructive to life as we know it. There certainly would be disagreement on that. But I find it interesting when I stop and I think about all of these changes that have happened just in the generations of the people that I have known, really starting with my grandparents and going down to my grandchildren, it is incredible as to how much has changed and how much information is available to us. And and how we can quickly find out something. I mean, you take YouTube, for instance. You can see just about how to do anything on YouTube. Right? I mean, I've will consult it quite often to see if I'm about to do so. Even things that I know how to do, sometimes I will go and check to make sure that I know how to do them based on what other people. Say, tell me that I'm going to do. I've watched a lot of YouTube on different things. I really think after watching the YouTube channel so on how to do heart surgery, I now think I could conform, perform my own open-heart surgery. Well, my, my wife and son didn't think that was too funny. I don't know why. It's like... We have no idea, for instance, what's coming or what is here, really, With this thing called artificial intelligence. We have no idea how that's going to really change things. It's going to have a profound effect on daily living and the systems that will be controlled by its existence, and concern about this is is everywhere. It's rising. For instance, according to a Pew research survey 52% of americans say they feel more concerned than excited about the increase of uh, use of artificial intelligence just 10% say they're more excited than concerned while 36% they feel an equal mix of emotions and i'll tell you that poll is 7 months old And I would speculate that it's changed, that that's old news, that's probably a higher percentage of people who are concerned about it than who are going to be satisfied with it. No matter what you think, or I think about AI, the cat's out of the bag, and there will be no turning back. There's going to be, is constant right now, a worldwide scramble between the superpowers of the world to utilize and harness AI's potential to gain control. It's kind of depressing, isn't it? You stop and dwell on it. But there is all this information, all this instantaneous ability to discover what is known there is one thing, no algorithms, rhythms, no artificial intelligence, no device that's been invented by mankind, not even mankind himself. There's one thing that is not known. You know what that is? When Jesus is coming back. He is. Jesus is going to come back just like he said he will. And no one, no machine, no technology, no human or artificial intelligence knows can tell you when he's coming. And sometimes it's difficult to admit that we don't have the answers to a question such as that. When is Jesus coming back? And we don't know. We want the insight. We want to know all the mysteries that there are of God. And there are people who will actually speculate, spend a huge amount of time speculating over end times. And maybe, just maybe, we have a hard time accepting the fact that Jesus said so clearly, no one knows the day or the hour i suspect there are some people who don't like that answer however the, and that's maybe that's the reason that the quest continues some have even dogmatically proclaimed the date the time that jesus is has was planning on returning You know somebody who's gotten caught up with that? They watch and they watch and they try to figure things out. What we are supposed to do is just trust and prepare. Jesus makes it very clear about the timing of his return. But about that day and the hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Here's what God also says in the Old Testament. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The way that God thinks about time and space and eternity and everything else is so much different than the way that we think. I'd even say that his ways of thinking, they're the right ones, and that we we know as much about all of his mysteries about who he is as he wants us to know. We see this in both the Old Testament and New Testament. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. That's from Deuteronomy and now the New Testament. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. So kind of as with that in mind, and I'll tell you, let me give you a couple of disclaimers here. There are not many sermons that I will preach where I feel like as I'm going through them, I'm not very comfortable. In this particular sermon, there is a lot of discomfort on my part because there's very little I know about end times. And I'm telling you that up front. I mean, people get all into uh, these, you know, what's going to happen in the book, the study of the book of Revelation, and they try to master that. And and so many have done a great job of of figuring out all the symbology and and, and, and all the uh, things that happen, and, and they can quote all of this. I'm not that person. So I'm a little uncomfortable with portions of what I'm preaching today but hang with me because I'm going to get to a point that I'm very comfortable about. We're going to take some time today. We're going to focus on what we know and the impact that the words may have on our day-to-day living about what Jesus talked about, his second coming, without getting caught up in all the depth And the wonder of the second coming. So, if you want to turn your Bibles, you go to Mark 13. We're going to look at verses 24 through 37. And as we will read these verses, you'll discover like these different episodes that are happening. As Jesus is talking about his second coming. On the Tuesday of the very week of his crucifixion, he entered the temple for the last time and he delivers a powerful message condemning the Pharisees. And one of his disciples commented about the glory and the majesty of Herod's temple as they were leaving. So you really back up a bit in in Mark chapter 12, and you see more of this. And by the way, this is included in other gospels, different kind of parables that are used in this dialogue that he has. But Jesus' response was this uh, to to the disciple who, who mentioned all of this wonderment about the temple. He said, do you see all these things? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another, everyone will be thrown down. That's taken from Matthew. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. They, they said, Tell us. When will all of this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So they're, they're curious, like so many people have been, even back then, with Jesus sitting in the midst of them. They are said, tell us, when is this going to all take place? And Jesus responds in what's known as the Olivet Discourse that's found in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and, and Luke 21, if you want to do more study on it. And it includes practical instructions to the disciples on how to live after Jesus leaves. In Matthew, he uses a parable to illustrate his teachings. It's the parable of the talents that I preached a sermon on not too long ago of about being ready. And, and then we go into the second really kind of episode after this introduction it's described by Mark who, who says what would take place where Jesus talked talking about what's going to take place and, and what to look for and Jesus in these verses unveils this mystery that has intrigued believers throughout all the ages the precise timing of his return so pick it up in verse 24 of Mark's gospel of Chapter 13. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars, watch this, will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds, With great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Now, learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away. Until all things have happened, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, watch this, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So we see in this this first section, this interesting energy that sounds a lot like something you read heard about maybe even watch movies about from the book of revelation what does it mean when the stars will fall from the sky that the sun's going to grow dark and when that happens we should expect the son of man coming i don't think we can have any concept or even imagine just just how devastating and confused the world is going to be when all of that happens the movie series left behind can't even begin to accurately depict the devastating effect that that will have at that moment the aftermath of natural disasters that all have happened I um I went up into um, Illinois uh, a few weeks ago to attend a funeral service of Tony Allenbaugh's dad. And I did what I normally do once I'm driving back, I have some time. I got off the main road, got off the interstate and took some back roads in through Kentucky and, and I decided that I was close enough that I wanted to go and see Mayfield, Kentucky. Y'all remember what happened in Mayfield? Tornado came through. It basically wiped out downtown. Nothing hardly left. And they're still in process of rebuilding. You drive through areas like that that have this mass devastation by natural disasters. I've been in areas where it's been flooded out, and several of us went to Houston after the flood and did some mudding out and some help and they offered aid after they had the hurricane come through and the floods there. I mean huge natural disasters but all of those are kind of they're they're very uh, compact usually compared to the devastation that's going to happen when what happens that Jesus describes takes place we have no concept of that one commentator speculation again says, often these apocalyptic cosmic events are used to describe the fall of governments, could be. So maybe it's some metaphor. Maybe like the stars fall into the sky because everything would feel like that because there's such great upheaval. Maybe everything we know will dissolve and disintegrate into nothingness. Whatever takes place. It sounds like a pretty wild string of events. No matter how you look at it, it's going to be difficult to interpret as to how it will happen. There are so many different angles, so many different perspectives. We take on with what Jesus is saying here. And he throws in the story about the fig tree and the seasons. And what we're trying to do as people, we're trying to, through our human desire, seek out this understanding because we want to be in the know. And here Jesus is having this real conversation with his disciples And we have these accounts where we try to reconcile our attempt to understand God and satisfy our longing to know. But even so, after what he says is going to happen, we're still left with a mystery. We're left with an unknown. We're left knowing that no one knows when the exact time is that Jesus will return. And he goes on, he says, not even the angels know. And at that particular time, not even the Son of Man, Jesus himself knew. And, uh, can I just throw this in? If anyone ever tries to convince you that they know, pay no attention to them. You've got my permission, okay? Okay. We ever have anybody come in our church and they say, start trying to tell you, hey, the end is near, it's coming real soon. And, and, and you know what? And if they're up here preaching from behind this pulpit, yank them off. Because they don't know. I've seen some people who have fallen into a trap of those out there who have tried to say, Jesus is coming back on this particular day at this particular time we actually had a staff member a minister who got worked up over it he was all nervous about it running around because someone had said here's when he's coming back and here's all the evidence of that don't bother okay it's not Kelly it's not Eric it's not me it's not Courtney Mary Ellen is it you it's not Mary Ellen that's all of us In fact, that person, Jesus did come back for him. He did. He's in heaven today. What I am basically saying, it's okay if you want to study these things. It's okay for you to be curious about it. It's okay for you to take time, listen to other people, But ultimately, I'm saying don't get worked up over it because there are more important things to be done. What should we be concerned about when we're waiting in the meantime? How do we respond to the ambiguity and the mystery of all of this? Can I tell you that Jesus gives us an indication. He gives us instructions on what we're supposed to do. Verse 33 says, be on guard. Be alert. You don't know when the time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and he tells one at the door to keep watch. Watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come, whether or not... Is it somebody's phone's trying to talk to us there? (laughs) Whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn, if he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. It's a call to stay awake and be alert it's like in this passage there's a uh, like a reference like a watchman watchman is mentioned in various places throughout the bible in biblical times a watchman played a crucial role in in the community particularly in the context of, of cities and fortified settlements and Their function was primarily to keep a a lookout and provide security for the city or the community they served. In Greek, it's supposed to mean it means be alert, to guard, to watch. These aren't just suggestions or good advice. They're actually commands that Jesus is saying boil it down we're to do this be alert and watch how do we keep watch how do we grow in wisdom and discernment how do we know if this if, if, if this decade is worse than what it was how do we know if this are, these are times as opposed to maybe during World War II when it seemed like the world was falling apart I mean pretty much like eric said this the other day i totally agree with it It seems like every generation at some point in time has thought these are the end times i wonder how often that's been thought by other generations how, how do we do that how do we be prepared well you've heard it you've heard it very consistently for the last several sermons you do it through knowing god's word through prayer Scripture, and the leading of the Holy Spirit. We may not know the timing, but we know this for certain. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So what do we do? We rely on something that is always going to be. His Word, His presence... We can talk to him, and the presence that we have is the Holy Spirit. So we invest time there. We read the Bible, and we seek to understand the voice of the Lord through the Holy Spirit. In doing so, then we live a life of readiness in this chaotic and unpredictable world. Now, there are two sides to this, admittedly. Some Christians are very apathetic or Basically, willfully ignorant about this. They say, well, no one can figure this stuff out. It's way too complicated. There's too much symbolism, so why try? Or they feel prophecy is too divisive with different views on what may happen, so why cause more conflict? On the other hand, there are some Christians who just overindulge in the prophecy and, and they get so wrapped up that They neglect everything else, regardless of where you may stand on that. We can all agree that Jesus is saying this, watch, wait, and be ready for whatever happens. And our comfort is knowing, not so much when, is knowing that He will. Do as he says. We can't unravel all the mysteries concerning Christ's return, but we can know this for sure. He is returning. Even though we don't know, we know it's going to be someday. And then how shall we live this? Well... Let me give you, these are not mine. This came from Mike Livingstone, a writer at Lifeway Christian Resources. He shared seven ways to prepare for Jesus' return. The first one is this, live in the light of his first coming. If you want to be prepared for Jesus' second coming, then live like his first coming mattered. Do those things that we've been taught to do in his word. Jesus spoke parables about his return. In Luke 19, 11 to 27, he spoke about this nobleman who traveled to a far country. Uh, he called ten of his servants together and he gave them a mine, a coin, and he told them, Engage in my business until I come back. And after an unspecified duration of time, the the nobleman returned as if the the king and summoned his servants to give an account of their faithfulness. The first two servants had been productive with what was entrusted with him, but another servant had done nothing. He simply wrapped his, his mina in a cloth and hid it. His mistake was that he didn't act on what he professed to believe. He professed something about his master, but didn't live by his profession, so he lost his reward. As Christians, we have a mission which the Lord expects us to accomplish in the here and in the now. Summarized by a man by the name of Paul Marshall, Quite eloquently in a book that he wrote, a, li- a kind of life imposed on man. He writes this: to work. This is the, w- the the mission of a believer: to work, to perform, to develop, to progress, to change or progress, to change, to, change, to choose, to be active, and to overcome until the day of our death or the lo- or the return of our Lord. That's what we're to do. Those who profess to be believers. We're to live accordingly to what we've been called to do. Here's the second thing be discerning. Twice in Mark 13, Jesus warned his disciples don't be led away by false claim. Watch out for no, that no one deceives you. False prophets will arise and will perform signs and wonders to lead astray if possible. Paul warned. Now concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. So there it is to say, you need to know. You need to study. You need to know who the false prophets are. Don't let them lead you away. Here's the third thing that he wrote about. Accept the uncertainties. Now, concerning the day of the hour, no one knows, neither the angels, nor in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. He says, Watch, be alert, for you don't know when the time is coming. Here's the point of that. If Jesus was content of not knowing the hour that he was to return, then we should be. Be content that no one knows except the Father. Now we're going to get into a little more practical stuff that we're to do. Here's the fourth thing. Don't lose hope. Paul reminded Titus and Jesus' first coming brought salvation and and it instructs us to live sensibly and righteously and godly lives in the age that we're in, the present age. It is our blessed hope the expectation of Jesus' return that compels us to do so. Don't lose hope. I'll come back to that in just a minute. Here's the fifth thing, encourage one another. The promise that the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, we find in 1 Thessalonians four sixteen. it's followed with a command that says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words again the affirmation that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night is followed by the exhortation therefore encourage one another and build each other up that's one of the reasons we do church is to encourage each other here's the sixth thing well this one really hits home because it becomes a matter of priorities. Live as if today was the day. Could he come back today? Sure he could. What would he find us doing? We're not careful of delay in Jesus' return. Well, it has a tendency to lead us into complacency. Living in the expectation that he could return today compels us To live each day like time is of essence. Do what really matters for eternity. And here's the last one. Keep on doing the work Jesus left us to do. Jesus warned of troubling events as we near the end of the age, including the persecution of believers. Then he added that nothing, not even persecution, should distract us from doing one necessary thing. And he says, and the gospel must be be preached to all nations. Can you think of a place where you've heard that a little more familiar? It's called the Great Commission. To go out and compel people to come to Christ. We have a job to do, church. Very practically speaking, we have a job to do. And let me just say this, in this year of transition, we cannot ever lose sight of the work that God has called us to do. I do not know when he's coming back. At times, I long for his return. At times, when I get bombarded with all the stuff that's going on in this world, all the uncertainty that's taking place, there are times when I just let it start getting to me, and I get a bit overwhelmed. But knowing that he is coming back, without a shadow of a doubt, lends me to this. I don't need to fret over my future. I don't have to worry about it. Whether it's like that staff member who fretted over it and worried about it, and finally when God came and called him home, Jesus came back for him or maybe he comes back wouldn't it be something if he just did it right now we don't even expect it I don't know about you but I don't have to worry about it I think probably most of us I mean practically speaking when you start looking at all of this and and these, all these people who are trying to figure it all out, essentially to me, maybe not you, but essentially to me it says it's all been taken care of. So I don't need to fret over it. I just need to be ready. Ready. So I walked in this morning. which happens every Sunday morning, listening to the worship team warming up their voice. Oh, they—they, they, it's a, its amazing. Sometimes I walk in and think, "Oh, wow, this is going to be a tough time today with the worship team." <laughs> and did they even practice this week? <laughs> oh, they didn't this week. Couldn't tell this morning, could you? You know? So as I walked in, I listened to the song choices, and that great hymn, a newer hymn that we sang just before the sermon, In Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, what's a cornerstone? It's there. You can count on it. It's laid for the rest of the building to be built upon. This solid ground Firm through the fiercest drought and storm. I don't have to worry, as it seems like the world is caving in around me. What heights of love, what depths of peace? When fears are stilled, when striving cease? My comforter. My all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. Go to the last verse. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath. Listen to this. Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever plug me from his hand till he returns. Till he returns or calls me home here, here in the power of Christ. I'll stand. that's the testimony father of every person that sits within the sound of my voice and hundreds of millions more to be able to rest and knowing that you are coming back someday but in the meantime, I've got the confident hope that is found in Jesus Christ, my Savior and my Lord. And I'm found living in that hope. And Father, I pray if there's one here that they're outside of that, and there is fear. There is guilt. There is hopelessness. That they would know that they can find, they can displace all of that through the power of Jesus Christ. And find that that, that confident hope to no longer have to fret about it. During this time, Father, I pray the Holy Spirit would continue to work in our hearts and in our minds. And if He's leading us to do some business here today during this time of reflection and thought and process, and this time of of, of just invitation, that we would be obedient to His leading. If you've got a decision that you'd like to make for Christ today, please don't put it off. Because quite honestly, you don't know that it's not today that Jesus may come back. It could be. It could be where he just comes and takes all of us church home. Or it could be he just comes to claim you. To stand before him in judgment. He says, you didn't prepare sorry father help us to be honest and obedient to you it's time father in Jesus name we pray amen please stand what can I give to you what can I offer
4: to
2: a king for all the love For
0: all your mercy over me, I call your name.
3: hit home Father I I just pray that if we have been saved we realize that you have been our only hope for that salvation and the sacrifice that was given by Jesus to provide that for us should give us that hope of not even when things come up that are difficult to deal with. We still know that you're in control and that Jesus will come back for his church one day. We're grateful for that. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. May be seated please.
5: Good morning, so I just wanted to pop in and just, we have a lot of fun things happening um, with our kids, and we're also looking forward to the summer for some things that happen, so we have little business cards that you can pass out to neighbors. um, If you're getting your hair cut or anything like that, you can take them. Um, I know I've heard of some stories that have happened with just passing this on to a hairdresser who showed up for a trunk or treat, so... Um, on, We have our Easter egg hunt in two weeks, So, um, and we also have a special guest coming, so um, that is going to lead into our big event that we're having on April 7th. So you can take this. It has all the events on the back and our Easter egg hunt on the front. We also have our Meet the Heroes event on April 7th. and um so there is another card for that that we will be giving out at the easter egg hunt but invite your friends to this it'll be a fun event um fun day um with some photo ops with some heroes and lunch and bounce houses and activities for um adults and for kids so it's going to be super fun but we need your help with those there is sign up sheets in the lobby with all the needs that we have for all the fun things we have coming up that and we need your help to make it a success and be able to make this a positive outreach the next thing we are already working on vbs so um, there is this year's vbs is called breaker rock beach and we're going to be spending some time at the beach now this is not like Hawaii or Florida beaches. This is really looking at um, beach, beaches in the Northwest. So we're thinking rocks and cliffs and sandcastle building, maybe lots of kites flying, things like that. So we are going to be going to Breaker Walk Beach this summer. And we're going to be talking about how we have these things that are told to us um, and not everything is always true. So we're going to be looking at some things that are said in the world, and we're going to be looking at what the Bible and what God says about it. So we have lots of fun things planned for that, but we need your help to do it. So even if you don't necessarily want to uh, lead a Bible study, we have lots of needs for people to um, help us out with that from um, being greeters to people writing postcards to kids after that have sending them back, um, sending them to them just saying, hey, we'd love you to come back for this or things like that. So we have lots of things that we would love you just to plug in whether it be in the next month um, with um, the easter egg hunt or in with the meet the heroes event um, and also with vbs which will be june 23rd to the 27th from 6 to 8 p.m
3: thank you courtney hey miss
2: wanda is going to come up here uh, for an announcement while she's making her way up i do want to remind you that this coming saturday is our men's breakfast I'm personally super excited about our men's breakfast. Uh, Mr. Holden Collette is going to be the guest speaker uh, this coming Saturday. And uh, the guys have just been in a theme during those breakfast times of talking about God's faithfulness. And uh, so uh, if, you, if you haven't been a part of that, we encourage you to come and be a part of that. That's this coming Saturday at 759. Miss Wanda.
4: Thank you. Hi, I'm Wanda Hamilton. Most of you don't know me yet, but you will. But I'm here to tell you about Friday Friends. Who are Friday Friends, you ask? I'm so glad you did, because we're a group of ladies who meet the last, you guessed it, Friday of the month. We plan activities so that we can bless our community and bless our church. We have dues of $5, now that scares you, but it's okay because we use that money to fund the items, the things that we're going to do with Friday Friends. This year, Friday Friends wants to fund a playground for our children here on campus. It's a big project, so we want everybody to help us. (laughs) Now put that hand in your pocket and give us some money, okay? (laughs) We have two ways of making money, three, or, or three ways. One through our dues, one through our little glass jars that we take home. They're little jars. I should have had one. And you can fill it up with coins. or folding money is just fine, too. Or you can fill out a check. But if you fill out a check, make sure you say that it's for the playground so it goes to our account so that we can draw from that. Um, Delaney and Delaney. Dorinda and Lainey <laughs> are out in the lobby and they have the little jars. You're helping you're welcome to pick one up or two or three or just hand money. But we'll take it any way we can. But don't miss this blessing. It will be so exciting for our kids and for us that we get to do this great thing. Thank you.
3: I do not know. I'm sorry. I can answer that a lot. (laughs) It would take a lot to do a playground. But there's great effort because I want to tell you, in these glass jars that Wanda was talking about, they've been doing it for several years now. And there literally have been thousands of dollars raised by people just putting their coins in these glass jars and bringing them in. And uh, those have... Laney? For what was the last okay so we're already 1500 to the good okay so it's a challenge and all of these things whether it be vacation bible school that's just been mentioned the easter egg hunt that's coming up the event that's going to be following easter sunday uh, for children i mean we are in a children rich community and we will reach people through the children better than any other way and we need people who will step up and help us accomplish that. That's the church doing the work in the meantime as we are waiting for Jesus to come. And, and you know, wouldn't it be a great thing if we and you get to heaven a little kid comes up to you or a person comes up to you and says, Hey, I was one of those little kids that went to Vacation Bible School at Sunset Hills. And I, I know you probably never knew But I was one that you made a difference in their life, in my life for, so we can do that. Okay, we got more? We good. Just one
2: one more real quick announcement. Although we did start uh, our Bible studies last week, men and women's Bible studies, um, it's not too late to jump in. Uh, That first week generally is kind of a connection week, so uh, this week uh, all those Bible studies on Tuesdays, Wednesdays are really going to hit the ground running. And so if you kind of missed that first week, don't let that be discouraging. Jump in this week. Ladies Bible Studies and Men's Bible Studies, we'd love for you to jump in.
3: Jump in. One final thing I want to say, and this is good news. Um, This past week I had the opportunity to spend some time with Angie Hughes. And Angie came up to me a few weeks ago and she says, you know, uh, I've been coming to church here for a while and I I wasn't really sure if I was a member or not. She says, I need to... I need to take care of that. And I said, okay. So we spent some time talking this past week, and she gave me some testimony of her life and, and different things. And she said, I, I, I want this to be my church family. So, Andy, I'm going to ask you to stand. she's been involved with our children and doing things and volunteering for many many things she didn't wait to become a member to get involved she just said i'm here i'm going to serve and now she makes it official to make this her church home and that may be some other folks you maybe have been coming here for years and think i'm a church member just because i attended and the answer is no you're not <laughs> we'd love for you to be And uh, it's a real simple way to do it, and I'd be happy to spend some time talking with you about that and go through those steps if you would like to. Okay? Glad you're here this morning. Would you please stand? Especially if you are here visiting for the very first time, thank you for taking time to come to Sunset Hills this morning. First of all, we hope you found a warm welcome. We hope you found a time of fellowship, and uh, that you have heard the Bible preached this morning. And i leaving here with a confident hope that we have a trust in Jesus Christ. You're dismissed. Have a great afternoon. Hi, good morning.
2: This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ or maybe you just have a simple prayer request. We would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of our pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. And let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience,